This is Teachers Talk Radio, and you are listening live. Good morning, everybody. Today we've got a great session. We're going to be talking about maths and anxiety. So we're going to be talking about math students at school, at college, the adults that we've got, and what they're facing out there, keeping up with the curriculum that's expected of them, and developing those math skills. This is Teachers Talk Radio, and you are listening live. Tune in live at ttradio.org, or to join in the conversation, download the Podbean app and search Teachers Talk Radio. Follow the hashtag TT Radio. Tune in, talk it out with Teachers Talk Radio. So today we've got a great show for you. We're going to be talking about maths and anxieties caused in schools and in colleges um, and what students are facing when they're coming to us. So um, in particular, we're going to be looking at further education and the reset maths. So when we're thinking about um, GCSE resets or we're thinking about functional skills um, and really what do adults, what do people, what do students 16 to 18, students with EHCPs experience when they come and need to get that desired level two equivalent in mathematics? We do have some lovely guests with us today, so we, I'm going to introduce them straight after the news. Are you looking for lesson planning materials to kickstart the new term? We've got you covered. The Day is a global online resource that turns the news into lessons. We're offering listeners a free resource on Andrew Tate that you can find on thedaynews.co forward slash Tate. Inspire personal development and critical thinking for your students by downloading the Tate Debate today and feel more confident addressing sensitive topics with your class. Visit thedaynews.co forward slash Tate to find out more. This show is brought to you in partnership with John Cat Educational, publishing professional development books and resources to support great teaching and learning in schools around the world. Have you checked out their latest releases? Use the code JCTTR2324 for 20% off your order. Don't miss out. Visit johncatbookshop.com to explore their full range of titles and advance your own professional development today. Happy reading. In today's educational environment, students and teachers are juggling a mix of face-to-face, online and blended learning courses. Canvas by Instructure helps teachers navigate these diverse learning experiences with a user-friendly virtual learning environment that offers flexible access to courses and a consistent learning experience, all while streamlining everyday teaching processes. The world's best schools and universities are using Canvas to create dynamic courses, collaborate seamlessly, and access actionable data that drives student success. This is Teachers Talk Radio, and this is Teachers Talk Radio News. 
We have previously reported on the issue of student accommodation, focusing on rising costs and declining quality of places to rent. Shortages of suitable housing have further added to problems for many. This week, the BBC featured reports of protests by some students at what they describe as appalling conditions and extortionate rents at a university-owned block of flats near the University of Northampton. According to the report, residents paid £153 a week for a single ensuite room, but there were complaints of a lack of running water. A university spokesman said it had no record of complaints. However, a spokesperson for the student group said the complaints were repeated year after year. The university further said that the rent issue had been resolved as students had paid an additional charge caused by an admin error. This has now been refunded. An apology has also been issued. Staying with higher education, BBC Newsnight reports on the rise of anti-Semitism at UK universities. The Union of Jewish Students said the spike was nothing like anything seen before. The report comes at a time when experts have also warned of rising reports of Islamophobic incidents. Groups who monitor hate crimes in the UK say the conflict is now being played out on university campuses nationwide. The government has provided £43 million to protect interfaith communities and said perpetrators of hate crime would face the full force of the law. The Guardian featured a report that schools in England are using Airbnb-style strategies to raise funds. The article says many are renting out every available space from classrooms to canteens. Renting out spaces for community use is not new, but there has been an increase in the innovative use of spaces. One primary school says it has rented out its light-filled white corridor for photo shoots, whilst another offers a stationary double-decker bus, used as a classroom, to those who might want to make quirky films. Dedicated online platforms are helping schools make the most of their spaces beyond the obvious playing fields and main halls, with the founder of the Sharesy website saying they have even helped schools rent out their car parks for puppy training lessons. The line between education and commercialism is becoming increasingly blurred, as school leaders attempt to close the funding gap especially after government said it had miscalculated funding announced in July, slashing £370 million from the announced budget. Schools Week feature issues being faced by specialist settings in the North East, as the area, like many others, sees significant increases in the numbers of children and young people with additional needs. This is in addition to an already large backlog of those needing additional support. The piece by Chris Zaraga, Director of Schools North East, describes a system that, by the halfway point of the autumn term, is already at capacity. Specialist and alternative provisions are struggling to cope. While Zaraga accepts that this is a national problem, he points out that it is particularly bad in the North East, as in the 10-year period between 2012 and 2022, there was a 145.43% increase in the number of pupils with an EHCP being suspended from schools. He also argues that the solution cannot simply be more or larger specialist settings, but improve support for pupils within mainstream schools. Zaraga ends with a call for a strategic plan, more resources and expertise from across the sector to be listened to. In Northern Ireland schools, already dealing with action short of strike by teachers from five teaching unions due to issues over pay, could now face further disruption. 
the BBC reports that there will be strike action on the 16th of November by members of Unison, Unite, the GMB and NIPSA, who, between them, represent thousands of non-teaching staff. These include bus drivers, school catering staff, classroom assistants and cleaners. The strike action is over the failure to reform pay and cuts to the overall education budget. BBC News Northern Ireland has been told that the action will mean that many, if not all, schools will have to close. Finally, a primary school in Birmingham made the local news after it introduced a small farm which includes alpacas, goats and chickens. In spring, it also houses lambs needing to be hand-reared after being rejected by their mothers. St Michael's C of E Primary School is in one of Birmingham's most deprived wards but the farm was introduced to help encourage children and the wider community to engage more broadly. Nearby residents have also created an allotment which is used by the school and the community. Children take part in looking after the plants and animals, although scooping up the poop remains a weekly task for the school's head teacher. This has been your Teachers Talk Radio News with Joe Fox. Right, welcome back listeners. Thank you for joining us this morning. Um, so as I mentioned before, we are talking about maths and anxieties and we've got two very fabulous guests with us today. So we've got Diane Tate. Diane, would you be able to introduce yourself quickly? Hi, yes. Well, thank you for having us on your show. So my name's Diane Tate. I'm based in the northeast of England. Um, I'm currently working in FE, delivering maths. Um, have over 20 years experience and um, seen the sector change quite a lot over the last 20 years. I'll hand you over to um, with me today I have Sophie. Hi, thanks for having us Sabrina. I'm Sophie Rose. Um, I've been in the FE sector for nearly a year now and previous to that I worked in secondary schools. Um, I've worked in London as well as the northeast of England so I've seen a ray of different things up and down the country um yeah oh brilliant it's a pleasure to have you both um and a nice to get a really rounded um well thought process really about our topic today which is maths and anxieties so before we go down into the the anxiety kind of element of it can we just get a brief kind of overview on maths as a whole please and where where are we right now in terms of delivering maths to students um, in the terms of curriculum. So, Diane, over to you. Yeah. Um, so, currently, you know, you, over the over the years, we've seen a number of changes in maths education. Um, certainly for, for certainly for adults, um, we, we we went from basic skills to key skills to functional skills, um, and with with our mainstream students, sixteen or eighteen year olds, we can offer them, you know, case again, case skills and um, functional skills and GCSE. Uh, twenty nineteen, there were some reforms to the functional skills maths qualifications, um, which our students found quite challenging, actually. So, in what way, sorry? So the reforms there for the functional skills. So just for any of the listeners out there that don't understand what functional skills is, these are like the stepping stone qualifications that lead you up to those GCSE kind of grades. And also they have equivalent qualifications in there. So these are like entry levels, which are aligned with the key stage one and two. And then we've got level one and level two functional skills, which align with the GCSE kind of grade 
D and C, is that right? Yes, D and C. Um, so functional skills tend to be quite wordy. Um, so our 16 to, 18, 16 to 18 year old students often find them quite challenging because um, they probably they, well they don't have the life experience that you know to to break down the question and to understand what the question's actually asking them and um, so what what we find in with our math students at the moment it's it, yeah they're, they're struggling with with the maths but they're also struggling with the vocabulary so it's the english skills as well um of understanding you know what is the question actually asking so we we do a lot of um work at the beginning of the term on vocabulary and teaching them the the vocabulary that they, they need um for the maths provision so is it not as wordy in say the gcse papers no it's not so the, the gcse papers there's a lot of well, sums really um so you, you know th th there's not as many wordy problems especially at the front of the paper so you know the first sort of 12 to 13 questions on the exam paper it, it sums and after that then they start to get into a little bit of the, of the problem solving if you think about it why why is it that so a functional skills level two is supposed to be an equivalent of a gcse grade four so why do you think that it is so different in terms of the approach they take? Is it that they cater to a different audience or, you know, what's the reason behind it? Um, so I, th I think previously, before the reforms, Functional Skills Legacy, um, it, it was getting, you know, it was coming under a, a lot of pressure that it was too easy. So that they had to, that, that the, the reformed it and they looked at the curriculum and the, they wanted to align it more to the GCSE. However, um, for functional skills, it, you have to have some life skills as well. Um, so our adults tend to do better at at functional skills than um than our 16 18 year olds because they've had life skills so it might be things um like situation-based problems so you, like you might be buying a car and you've got to compare car prices well you, you know if a, a, a 16 year old hasn't had that experience so they don't actually know what to look out for um and what you know Adults have, have bought a house, they've had mortgages, they've experienced the interest rate. 16 year olds, you know, in, in the northeast of England, they probably haven't experienced much about interest rate savings account. They don't know the difference between simple interest and compound interest. Right. So that's the kind of curriculum differences between the two, and they're both on offer. Uh, further education so you've got the two kind of maths curriculums delivered at the same time throughout the year yeah we do yeah we do um, right. so it sounds like a um you've got a, a couple of options there which is nice one a bit more wordy a bit more suitable for the adults and one more aligned to what they've covered in schools in terms of the GCSE so now let's move on to the anxieties where are these anxieties coming from and you know is it towards one more than the other or is it just in general maths so i, I would say in general post covid um we're, we're dealing with a lot more anxiety than we ever have before um and i think 
you know, if you if you look at the stats, we've got 22% of young people aged 60, sorry, 17 to 24 years having a probable mental disorder. And that was from NHS Digital released those stats in 2022 um, off the back of COVID. You know, it's really unprecedented what we're having to deal with in terms of anxiety as a whole. But I think um, from a generational point of view, we've always had maths anxiety that was maybe um, a little bit more under the surface because students were a little bit um, uncomfortable using the term anxiety pre-COVID. Whereas um, I think, you know, the positives of social media have been and exposing things like anxiety. Students are a lot more comfortable to approach members of staff to um, talk about subjects dealing with anxiety now. Um, so anxieties in general, when it comes to maths, um, you know, it's, we have to think what is anxiety? What What is it in itself? And it is really just that fear of failure, um, not having any resilience. You know, students may have came, especially to um, FE with real negative past experiences and feeling humiliated within secondary school environments. You know, there's a lot of things that feed into this. It, ca it can come from the backgrounds in which they're living in themselves. So especially in the Northeast of England, um, white British boys have the lowest levels of attainment in the UK and we need to think why how has that happened could it be because you know 30 40 years ago their parents left school with you know no GCSEs or all levels at the time you know we um, we just didn't have those aspirations to go to university so is it coming from just not having that support at home when it comes to qualifications um could it also be from neurodivergencies, for example. So 15% of the population, again, going back to NHS Digital of 2022, are believed to be neurodiverse. Um, and that's going to affect a large proportion of our students. And again, luckily, thanks to, you know, a lot of information being shared on social media, I think a lot of our students are coming to realise, you know, they do have things like ADHD. Um, and they're coming to us perhaps say at 16 years old where they've only just started receiving diagnoses for these um, mm -hmm. things that have really affected them and really impacted them in secondary mm -hmm. school and we're picking up on those now as well. Oh well really interesting facts there and quite quite alarming if you think about you know the, the sheer volume of students that you're going to have that need that kind of support but my question is why maths particularly or what is it that creates an anxiety and um, for example, triggers some of these students to, to feel anxious. What is it about maths? What are you guys seeing in the classroom? What are you dealing with with your students? Um, so, so like Sophie, Sophie said earlier, I, th I think it's it's probably stemmed from, you know, nobody's born with anxiety, are they? It's something that, that they develop, maybe so they learn it or they get it from the parents. Um, so if if the if a child's at home and and the same the parents or oh, I'm struggling with my maths homework and the parents are unable to help them do it, then the, they develop that fear as well. Um, so we've we said we've got um, one in four parents do not feel confident in teaching the children basic addition and subtraction, um, and also one in five adults suffer a fear of numbers. Is it a national statistic, Diane, or is that an, a regional one? No, that is a national certificate, uh, a, a national figure. 
and, and also nationally as well. So 40% of, uh, of, of parents wouldn't know how um, to show their children how to split a restaurant bill with friends. That's quite alarming, really, isn't it? It's very important if you're going out for dinner with me as well. Um, so with is it that we're targeting the wrong group should we maybe be trying to develop maths more so in the adults so that they can support or are you thinking that this might evolve as time goes on whilst we educate this generation then they can support their children what's what is the big plan here to kind of tackle these anxieties parental children on all levels Absolutely, Sabrina. I think you're absolutely right in saying, um, do we need to educate our adults more? And especially um, with such alarming numbers, I mean, one in five having a fear of numbers, that that's going to directly feed down into our younger generation. Um, but we did find a statistic which was quite interesting, um, which showed that it was 36% of 15 to 24 year olds specifically with maths anxiety compared to 10% of 65 plus. So that could show that there's maybe a gap in those in those parental ranges, you know, the sort of 30s to 50s ranges that we really need to target, perhaps with the functional skills um, in turn to then be able to help our younger generation at home as well. It's interesting if we're picking out a, a specific age range like that, is it that we need to look at what was happening with the maths curriculum and the maths agenda? say 20 to 30 well 20 to 15 years ago uh, and really look at um what was going on so that we can unpick what what went wrong and how we can support these people what or are you more interested in let's get them back into education and let's get them upskilled so they can support is is there any research around that I'm not sure if there's any research and it would it would be certainly great as practitioners ourselves to go away and see what the research is, if there is any on that. And like you said, it would be interesting to see what was going on, you know, during that period of time in society, which may have had an impact on le- the learning ages of those year groups. Absolutely. Um, because whatever research we can pinpoint there, that could help to feed into the research for the younger generation as well on you know those those after effects because if we're having a generation now who are being severely impacted in maths well what's the generation like going to be like after them as well because this is all just a a huge cycle of huge maths anxiety at this point is there something happening now to tackle these problems what are you guys doing and facing on the front lines with your students of all ages um, so the government have have put a lot of a lot of money in uh, um, up, upskilling the, the population with regards to maths. They've introduced um, so far with sixteen and nineteen year olds have introduced an intervention fund. Um, that's targeted ma- mainly for, for those learners coming out of COVID because there was a lot of mislearning um, happened during COVID with like you know going on to remote learning and with remote learning teachers. Um, weren't necessarily comfortable with with delivering digitally. Uh, there, there was learners who might have been um, who would have been in the classroom who would have maybe asked asked a question or wouldn't have been frightened to ask the question. That sort of got lost online. Um, they didn't have the support at home from the parents to help them. So off the back of that, we've um, the government's 
put, put a lot of money in, uh, in the intervention fund. So as a, the, the organisation we're working in at the moment, um, we, do, we do refer learners to our intervention fund. And this really, you know, this builds confidence. It's a very small, very small group, maximum of five learners. A lot of the sessions are one-to-one. -one. And sometimes it is literally, it is breaking down those barriers, um, you know, to get them into the classroom, to let them know it's okay to make a mistake in front of one or two people as opposed to in a class of 20. So that it builds a confidence and the resilience that, you know, mistakes is okay. Um, and, and that's how they learn from them, and that's how they can identify them. I'm just so, wondering, sorry, oh, sorry, I've got a cut in there. Um, in terms of the, the, the tuition fund, the catch-up tuition fund, have you seen an impact from that? I mean, obviously the government can throw money at stuff, but it doesn't necessarily always work. And are you seeing you know students overcoming their anxieties are they making that progress using this pot of funding yeah the, the tuition the the tuition fund is it's been a, a real blessing to, to us in 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 this sector because you know we, we've we've seen students outside the classroom in floods of tears having panic attacks previously you know they can't go into it a class of 20 students and um, so we, we direct the the, the tuition fund to build confidence, to build resilience, um, and, and to get them back in, into the classroom. Um, so yeah, we, we definitely have seen an impact of it. In results alone, um, we had some quite quite good results. Absolutely, we were in the top twenty five percent within the UK based off our um, usage of that fund, putting in those interventions. And I think it's just in a, in a day to day, you know, just having those relationships with the students is so so crucial and um, you don't know what the students have had to deal with before they reach you you know monday morning for example they might not have been in college since friday anything could have happened um over that time you know those anxieties aren't just because of maths you know i mean really going back to um anxiety coming from you know low self-esteem and a fail of fa failure and what diane was saying is just giving them that opportunity to be in a really safe welcoming environment where they can make mistakes and they realize it's okay and then that gives them the resilience and the confidence that they that they need to boost them and um, not just in maths but within all walks of life as well so when you are dealing with anxieties right let's let, can, can we just spend a little bit of um, time talking about what you can see physically in these learners when they are anxious about maths what behaviors are they demonstrating um what are they saying what do we need to look out for when when we're seeing anxious learners absolutely i think you know i think it's very very important to know that anxiety can present in many many different ways so you might have a learner who you know was deemed throughout secondary school as perhaps a naughty or challenging um, student, but actually they were just masking the fact that they were so, so scared to be in that classroom with very overt behavior when that's not actually the reality 
at all. So you definitely have students who present with behavior challenges. Um, you'll have on the other end of the spectrum, students who literally cannot come into the classroom. They are so scared. They are so traumatized, so anxious. They're sweating, they're shaking, they're crying. They can't physically speak. Um, and then of course, you've got a huge wave of students somewhere in the middle who are kind of just trying their best every day but they're getting so nervous and that really comes out in you know their their exam results where they feel like you know they didn't live up to expectations because they forgot everything on the day and um, working memory really plays into it as well um so yeah you've got a, a real spectrum of how you see anxiety present in different learners Right. So if if you're dealing with, let's let's say, a full range of those anxieties in the classroom. So, you know, based on the statistics, it's likely that you get someone who's quite overtly challenging, someone who's breaking down in tears, won't even enter the classroom. And you'll have a few in the middle that are developing more and more anxiety as the exams get closer. Right. You're one teacher. You've got a class of 25 to 30 people. How are you supposed to manage that? You've got a student crying outside the door. She's not going to come in or he's not going to come in. You've got a student acting up, throwing things, you know, bouncing around because they, they can't overcome that fear. And you've got the other in the middle. What are you guys doing as practitioners to deal with these anxieties? Um, firstly, always have some tissues in your teaching pencil case. That's going to go a long way. Um, no, you, you know, utilize all the support you have out there. You know, you're not just one teacher in a classroom. You're a network of, of support within the school. Um, you know, you're probably going to know as a teacher from you know, talking to other members of staff that potentially taught these students previously or just, you know, just having that professionalism and skills to know when those students walk into the room you know how they are presenting um have a member of staff on standby if possible utilize the other students you know st other students are such a great resource in terms of how they are so empathetic and supportive of their peers um, and it could be you know someone's outside crying and you know you just get a couple of friends to support them with some tissues to give them that boost to come back into the classroom while you perhaps are dealing with some more challenging behavior inside of the classroom also Right, some great kind of strategies there, but what what can we do maybe long term? So if this is a repeat kind of occurrence, um, I'm sure you're aware, you know, retention in staffing is, is a massive concern, especially in maths. Can it then lead to a kind of burden on the on the teacher emotionally, physically, when you're dealing with this long term, with so many different um issues kind of occurring repeatedly what what is the solution to kind of get these kids um into a classroom and confidently accessing that knowledge that you're trying to get get through to them essentially yeah absolutely or not even kids it's even adults do you see these behaviors with adults can i just ask sorry quickly do you see similar things or do adults portray different anxieties in different ways Adults um, in, in my, so not necessarily behaviour problems, but they do get upset. Um, nope, I think we might have lost Diane there. Um, so while we're waiting for them just to reconnect, I hope the listeners, if you've got any questions, if you're similarly finding these anxieties in the classrooms, please drop me a message on Twitter, on LinkedIn, um, and hopefully we can 
um, carry on the conversation because I don't think this is an isolated thing. I don't think it's just in the Northeast. Um, speaking of a recent experience, I did have an adult cohort, similar to what Diane was saying, I had five women come out of nowhere and just say, you know, I'm no good at maths, never done maths before. And I was really surprised that their attitude was that maths wasn't for them, that they they did not need maths. They managed to get through life without maths. However, they only rejoined to a functional skills adult maths course because they wanted to help their kids in homework. And I thought that was really interesting. Like, had they not had kids, would they have gone through life without, you know, coming back to education for maths? Um, so definitely something that I can resonate with in terms of what Diane and Sophie were saying, that there is a bit of a generational difference maybe and that um, that support for homework, it, it is a need in some cases and some people return to education for that. Um, so fingers crossed we can get Diane on in the next uh, minute or so, but we'll be back after this. Are you looking for lesson planning materials to kickstart the new term? We've got you covered. The Day is a global online resource that turns the news into lessons. We're offering listeners a free resource on Andrew Tate that you can find on thedaynews.co forward slash Tate. Inspire personal development and critical thinking for your students by downloading the Tate Debate today and feel more confident addressing sensitive topics with your class. Visit thedaynews.co forward slash Tate to find out more. This show is brought to you in partnership with John Cat Educational, publishing professional development books and resources to support great teaching and learning in schools around the world. Have you checked out their latest releases? Use the code JCTTR2324 for 20% off your order. Don't miss out. Visit johncatbookshop.com to explore their full range of titles and advance your own professional development today. Happy reading. In today's educational environment, students and teachers are juggling a mix of face-to-face, -face, online and blended learning courses. Canvas by Instructure helps teachers navigate these diverse learning experiences with a user-friendly virtual learning environment that offers flexible access to courses and a consistent learning experience, all while streamlining everyday teaching processes. The world's best schools and universities are using Canvas to create dynamic courses, collaborate seamlessly, and access actionable data that drives student success. Right, um, so thank you for rejoining us folks. So today we're talking about maths and anxieties and we are going to be joining Diane and Sophie again who are just coming back onto the call to talk about how adults display their anxieties. So Diane, can you hear me there? Yeah, hello, thank you for having us. Sorry, Diane, just cut you off, but don't worry, you're back now. And you were just telling us about kind of the differences between the 16 to 18 year olds in the classroom demonstrating those anxieties and behaviours and how an adult might do so in, in the classrooms in your experience. So 16 to 18 year olds um, pr can present the anxieties with behaviour problems. Whereas adults tend to get upset or they tend to have a fixed mindset. 
So with the with the fixed mindset, is it that they do, do they get to overcome that mindset, or do you really have to consciously try and break down that fixed yeah, mindset? Really have to break down those barriers because you know you hear adults saying, "I just can't do this. I've never been able to do it." But actually, when you sit down with them and you talk to them, they've probably they've only been shown one way to do maths. And there's multiple ways to do each of the topics. So you get them to try a different way um, and you get them to try a way that works for them and in a way that like it sticks. Often you hear adults say, or, do you know what, even I was 16, 18 year olds, we often hear them say, um, well, I haven't had a maths teacher since year eight. My maths teacher left and we had the PE teacher teaching us maths or the science teacher teaching us maths. Um, and that's so we think there's a real shortage of, of qualified maths teachers that is also creating the problem. So if you've got, you know, an, an unqualified or a, a PE teacher teaching the maths, they'll only have that one method to, to, to show their, their learners um, the, the topic. And if a learner's not getting that particular method, that's why they just think, oh, I can't do it. They're not realizing, oh, well, there's a different way to do it. We'll try it this way. So showing them alternative methods to do, to do topics does does break down the barriers. And it, it's, you know, you get them to do something that's slightly challenging, but you know they achieve to build that confidence and then gradually like start really stretching them and giving them hard, and harder things to do. And it's like a light bulb moment where you say, oh, do you know what? I've never think we've lost you again there Diane towards the end but um so it sounds like obviously uh, some of the issues so I'd asked the question earlier before I'd ask you to discuss the adults so what is the long-term kind of plan what are the solutions for this you know it can bear a burden on teachers so I think one of the things you touched on there Diane was about subject specialist teachers now from what I can gather in my experience that might remedy a couple of different issues so if you've got the subject specialist in then again it might support that mindset it might allow students to be taught different methods more options um so they're better equipped to deal with kind of those anxieties um and obviously if we have more teachers available then there's less of a burden on the the current ones that are there so we've got other issues that i do want to discuss and i'd be interested to see if anyone on the call or anyone listening wants to add in any anything related to this so um in terms of some of the policies that have been presented by um rishi sunak you know do we think that's going to help do we think it's going to make it worse do you think that's putting more pressure on the stuff we've already got so obviously we've got a couple of campaigns that have been suggested by um, the, um, the the current government, um, including maths until students are 18. We've got compulsory stuff, but there's also other agendas such as the Multiply Fund that has been released, um, although not fully utilised. Um, we've got other strategies going out in terms of making maths um, and English key parts of the T-levels and part of any kind of apprenticeship framework where they can't complete the qualification without that. Is that helping? And I'd be interested to know from anyone listening, is that helping or is that actually making the situation worse? Whereas we're having more students come in, not enough stuff to deliver 
and maybe recycling the problem or is it allowing us that opportunity to get fully skilled get access to the maths curriculum the maths knowledge we need um, and into industry um, if anyone's got any input on that I'd really like to know your thoughts so please do drop me a message or if you've got anything around that it'd be great to hear from you and then that touches upon things such as staffing. So the math sector has something like, I think, 25% vacancies all year round. So there's always going to be a 25% of, of a chance, no, yes, of a vacancy in the sector. And you're going to have um, difficulties recruiting, and that's because of the competitiveness of subject industries such as maths and STEM who are willing to pay top dollar outside of teaching. So then do we need to look at what can be done to entice or recruit maths teachers into industry? Now again, there's been money thrown at this. There's been things like the Taking Teaching Further initiative. So those of you that are thinking about coming into teaching, you could get that fully funded paid for teaching qualification using the Taking Teaching Further scheme. And it actually gives you a £6,000 bursary if you do um, some of the STEM subjects like maths and digital. So really worth looking into. And, and, and it's obviously a key area for concern because there's money in these areas. But is, is it enough? And I think the from what I'm hearing with the anxieties and all the other things, that there's not enough there, there's not enough support there, maybe there's not enough experienced teachers, maybe there's not enough subject teachers with that pastoral knowledge. So these kind of questions, I think, as soon as Diane and Sophie get sorted, I'd like to know more about. But it's definitely something that's been playing on my mind. And then if we're talking about getting the maths lecturers in, are we then giving them enough training to deal with these anxieties? Because I've taught, and I've taught maths, and I've taught English, um, but I wasn't taught how to deal with anxieties. I wasn't told how to cope with, you know, Sophie mentioned having a box of tissues. I mean, I think as a human, that's your natural instinct, but how do I calm someone down? What kind of language do I use? You know, when we're talking about fixed mindsets and, and growth mindsets, you know, what what approach do we take with 16 to 18 year olds and what works best with the adults? And and then these are the kind of things that as a math lecturer or an English lecturer or whatever subject lecture you have, you, you develop through experience, but not necessarily in your teaching qualification. So again, if you've got some experiences, if you've got some strategies, you've got some ideas, you know, this works really well, trying this approach works really well, please share that with us and let us know because um, I'll be really interested to see and hear from what you think you, what you think works. Um, Diane mentioned the catch-up tuition fund um, and although she, she sings um, its praise and thinks very highly of that catch-up tuition fund it is a fund that's not going to last forever and it's a fund that won't be around forever so what will we do after that's gone so where's where's the longevity of that support mechanism because I don't think that the impact of COVID will will disappear I think it is going to be here for generations to come 
And not only that, as mentioned by Sophie and Diane previously, it can then have a ripple effect on the next generation and the generation after because of those gaps in learning and then associated anxieties. So um, I think Diane and Sophie are back. So I'm going to ask them all of these questions and, and see where we can go. So Sophie, are you with us now? Ah, uh, Yes, we're back. <laughs> Lovely to have you back. I've tried to I've tried to do you guys justice, so I hope listeners have, have not switched off. Um so Sophie, my question to you is long-term strategies, right? Catch up tuition fund not around forever. Mm-hmm. Rishi Sunak's got plans, you know, we've got the mass until you're 18 and all of this other stuff going on, multiply for the adults. We know we haven't got enough teachers. Mm-hmm. We know that anxieties are rife, we've got loads of them. What could we do long term? Um, I think going back to what you said before about um, targeting that sort of 30 to 50s in the adults, I think that would prove really beneficial because then you would, we well, you would assume, hopefully, you would have a lot more support for students at home with their maths. Um, so that kind of caters for that side of things. In terms of at school, obviously, you know, we're under a lot of budget cuts and a lot of pressures, but I think it's about, you know, if we can't get qualified maths teachers if we just can't retain or get them through um then it's looking about maybe how could we train up the staff that we do have to make them math specialists and utilize you know our you know our PE teachers our geography teachers who aren't teaching a core curriculum subject how can we retrain them within our school and to help with the longevity to, to to fill those gaps within the education environment um And then if we've got more support at home from retraining our adults and more support in school from training our staff, then naturally it would follow suit that our students have more support with their mathematics. Um, And then, you know, we would like to hope that naturally our results would increase as a result of that. I think from the mental health side of things, it would be great if we could train our staff in mental health support as well i think like you said you know the the issues we have because of covid they're not going to go away um and i think you know the the world we live in from social media for example that was already causing more mental health issues before covid itself anyway so it was natural these was going to just explode during covid so if we can target you know getting our staff trained both in maths and both in mental health then we're kind of you know really supporting our students from both aspects so do you think that support should come, say, within the teacher training or should it come on the job? Or is it something that I, I assume, and correct me if I'm wrong, I assume the anxieties are on the rise across the board, irrespective of being maths or English or um, bricklaying or um, PHSE. I think we are seeing a generation which are um, increasingly anxious. Um, is it that, do you think, that our teaching curriculum, the PGCE, the teacher training, all of that maybe needs reviewing to accommodate and, and adapt to all of these different issues in mental health? Absolutely. I mean, if you look at the framework in which we're teaching, I mean, we've been teaching this way for, I'm not sure how many years. I mean, I was in education myself, you know, in primary school, say 25 years ago, and day-to-day teaching hasn't changed since then. But what has changed is our society. I mean, you know, 
when I went to school, you know, it, the internet didn't exist. And I was that generation that saw the internet come in. So social media came in, but w- where has our day-to-day schooling changed to reflect the new society, the new generation that we we have sat in the, sat in the seats in front of us? Um, the same with teacher training, teacher training that certainly hasn't changed in how many years either. Um, and, you know, we're seeing gaps in this training where we could be training for mental health. I mean, I trained to be a teacher 10 years ago and there was no mention of mental health, but mental health was certainly a big issue on the agenda at least 10 years ago. Um, You know, are we having time in our CPD within the school where, you know, as math teachers, we could be training other members of staff maths or are we having time where we have mental health specialists who can offer training to staff during these times as well? So I do think because, you know, the face of society has changed. Um, and if, if you think about, you know, especially in the Northeast, the types of jobs people have have definitely changed. You know, we've moved, we're moving a lot from those sort of like industry jobs to, you know, coding and gaming and things like that and more like high end manufacturing. Um, and this is where the maths gap, the maths is going to be needed, especially. So, you know, we need to change the way we train our teachers. We need to tr- change the way our school environment is to make sure that we are reflecting our education to match society now. I think that's really important. And actually, it might raise um, a link, maybe, as to why more people are seeing the value in maths. Is that because more and more trade and industry requires a higher level of maths I I assume 50 years ago when most people were going down into the pits and in the mines and the northeast probably didn't see the value of having a qualification in maths whereas now if you're saying industry is leaning more towards gaming and coding and uh, mechanical engineering and all of that stuff then I suppose maths is is very heavily sought after um do you, do you see a trend? Do you see people coming back to retrain for employment or anything like that when, you, when you're teaching these students? Certainly within our adult sector, um, you know, a lot, a lot of our adult provision, when you, when you ask them, um, so, so what brought you here today? A lot of it is um, for employment or my work sent me here or um, I need it for work or I want a different job. I'm planning on going to uni for a different job. Some of them uh, say, oh, I want to help my kids or I want to help my grandkids. But the majority of it is, is for employment reasons. Um, and they'll say, um, <clears throat> maths has held them back. All of that, like not having a, a grade four or a grade C in maths has, has held them back, that they can't get the promotion at work or they can't get the job they wanted because of the poor, poor maths grades. And do you find that a lot of your adults, do they have the skills but just not the certificate or do they genuinely need a lot of the skills to be retaught to them? So with maths, I think I think it's a case of, you know, if you don't use it, that you lose it. Oh, yeah, definitely. Yeah. I, I don't um, remember my my geometry at all. No, that's it. So, um, you know, it does very quickly come back. Some of the skills do very quickly come back to them. Um, but so does the anxieties that, you, you know, the way teachers used to be when they were in the classroom. Um, they, I certainly didn't have the support or the the, the resilience that, that, we, that we do now. Um, and, it, and it's, again, it's the mindset, isn't it? Oh, I can't do it. I never could do it. Mm-hmm. Um, 
I, I would and, just like to add as well, I think it's not just the maths, it's not just learning to do multiplication or division, it's actually what maths gives to you. So maths, especially since the new 27 GCSE, is completely based on problem solving, logic, reasoning. Those are skills that you need in this in this new society um, and all of the new um, careers that our, our students have you know, the opportunities to go into. So I think if we took mm. the word maths out of the equation, actually taught them, you know, what it develops for them, I think maybe that's how we can get around these anxieties as well. You know, being logical, rational, and being able to problem solve in the face of, you know, social media with fake news and things like this, I think that would really help our students in a lot of areas of life. That's a, that's a nice way to approach it, actually, in terms of, like, maybe we need to just remove the the maths um and the associated fears by rebranding it absolutely if we put problem solving on their timetable five times a week i wonder what the change in their attitude would be <laughs> <laughs> well maybe that's a that's a bit of research for you guys to look into um well I, I'm, I'm conscious of time running out but I, I do want to add in terms of you know you mentioned the classrooms, the behaviours, you mentioned the curriculum and how it looks currently. Um, is there any change on in the future for for what you see happening in the classroom and the curriculum? Do you, do you know of any changes, anything we need to be looking out for? Um, I read a really great book actually called Educate in Ruby and it did a lot of research between the primary to secondary transition where I think we see a lot of things go wrong especially for our high achieving students where they suddenly sort of drop off and aren't um, they are no longer attaining those higher grades um, and you know there's a student in that book that says something I think that's really poignant and they said you know once I got to secondary school I felt like I was a square peg being forced into a round hole and I think it would be wonderful if we brought a lot of what a lot of great teaching that comes from primary school you know that smaller nurturing warmer environment with one teacher to care for our students and especially for their mental health it would be great to see that brought into the secondary school environment to see if that changes our students for the better, um, you know, for their attitudes towards their learning and for their anxieties. That's an interesting point, actually, because you're not the first guest to mention that that's come from FE to say there seems to be something, a disconnect between primary and secondary before they get to FE. So that's is that something you're finding as well with your math subject? Definitely. And I've especially this year had a lot of students start in September and have said, you know, I'm much preferring FE to secondary school. It's smaller class sizes. I feel like I'm listened to. I feel like I have a voice. And, you know, that's things that they had in primary school and they haven't had for the past five years in those really crucial years during, you know, puberty when, you know, their hormones and they're finding themselves. Um, and, it, you know, it'd be, it'd be great to bridge that gap between primary and FE because I, do, I definitely think something's seriously going wrong within the secondary school environment. Mm, interesting, interesting. We'll have to catch up on that on another time on our show. Um, but I do want to just quickly summarise, you know, you mentioned all of these anxieties. You've got some ideas there what might help, you know, better qualified teaching staff, better teaching curriculum that encompasses some, some of the mental health training, using our support networks, including our students to assist, you know, um, and, and all of the other kind of external factors that teachers have. Um, you, you obviously touched upon funding that we have that we can tap into to support um, with these kind of anxieties. 
And I really hope that the listeners have got something out of that. Is there anything for final that you'd like to say or add before we close the show? Um, I think we'd like to reach out to your listeners, Sabrina. So um, we, we're doing an action research on maths anxiety. So if any of your listeners, you know, have come across any research that will help us, like, please, like, pass it on to us, like, find us on LinkedIn. Um, and please pass on any information that they, they find that will help us as well. Oh, excellent. Yep. I'm all for research. I think I've given you some homework there today as well, haven't I? So, um, yes, listeners, if you've got anything, please help out a fellow colleague um, and share anything, either from myself or straight to Diane, who's available on LinkedIn. Um, and I hope today has been a good listen for you guys. Thank you for joining me, Diane and Sophie. It's been an absolute pleasure. Thank you for having Thank us. Bye. You've been listening to Teachers Talk Radio. Tune in live and listen back at ttradio.org. We look forward to hearing from you next time on Teachers Talk Radio.